Showtime! Take me to the sheriff station. I can describe all three of them. Welcome, everyone, to the Rosie and Bill Show. As many of you know, I'm a big fan of action movies. And our guest this week has appeared in more great action films than I can count. From my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, to my favorite action movie series, The Expendables, Raw Deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and many, many more. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, actor, director, writer, and oh, by the way, incredible singer, Robert Davi. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Bill and Rosie. Now, you're a big action fan, but the most successful series of action films in the history of cinema are the James Bond movies. And you forgot to mention- Oh, License to Kill. License to Kill. <laughs> Not Bond villains of all time. Now that's that's a caveat that not many people have. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, sorry I missed that one. <laughs> missed that one, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> I've only watched that it again. times. <laughs> you come here to my place without references, carrying a piece, but you should know something. Nobody saw you come in, so nobody has to see you go out. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit here, Robert, because obviously you have this incredible body of work, including all of these action films, and you were a classically trained singer. What was it like growing up for you? Were you the kid inviting all the neighbors to the backyard and charging them? And did you put on shows? Like, when did you get the bug to perform? Well, I got the bug early on. I know that. Um... I used to like, in, even in fourth grade or in elementary school, reading in front of the class. If you were reading a play or a, a poem or some, you know. And then in fourth grade, I did a play. Uh, George Washington Slept Here. And I played Sam the Butler. <laughs> I remember getting like this big applause and the, the, the teacher took, walked my parents, Miss Alexander, out to the parking lot. And she says, he's got a lot of talent. You should encourage him in the arts. Now this was in fourth grade. And for some reason I felt, uh, you know, my feathers uh, puffed up a little bit when she said that. I remember, you know, even today. And uh, I was very athletic. I was playing sports a lot, but I would be a kibitza. I would be a, a bit of a class clown and, uh, you know, with my friends. And I was always, you know, mimicking the singing or doing some kind of uh, skit, even with my cousins. My cousin uh, and myself, we were doing Saturday Night Live and political comedy in the 60s. We would be doing this kind of a thing in the 60s with a little reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder and we would, have, <laughs> would imitate people and create different issues. And uh, uh, so I remember even early on there and it always grew. And then in high school, it just exploded. And then I went to college on a scholarship and then studied with Adler, did a lot of plays and studied the opera. So it was always part of me, as well as athletics. 
What sports did you play? I played baseball, basketball, and football. Football, I was great in. Football, I could have probably gone pro. Wow. And I stayed with football. Weeb Eubank from the Jets came to watch me play in high school. I got the Raymond J. Barr Beauty Award for the most promising athlete. And I got a lot of offers from Ivy League schools to play because I had good grades. I was also in the theater department. And uh, I was a solid B minus student, let's put it this way, but with a huge extracurricular activity. And um, so, uh, but I chose, uh, I chose Hofstra for the drama scholarship uh, because they had a, a replica of the Globe stage, the mm. Shakespeare Globe stage, and I loved Shakespeare. And uh, so I wound up going there and foregoing any athletics. Luckily, I remember, you know, somebody telling me one time, what do you want to do, be limping around at 40? You know what I mean? Just go into the arts now. I guess that was a good choice. What position did you play in football, Robert? I played multiple, multiple. Uh, I played, I was never out of the game. I played offensive and defensive and tackle, quarterback, fullback. I mean, whatever, whatever we played around and put it in, you know, but I was linebacker. I was in the whole game, kicked off, kicked extra points. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should have said what position didn't you play? That was a shorter <laughs> list. I know. At that point, I was, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Well, you know, that you, you're right, though. That, that advice you got was pretty sound because I think to this day, the average NFL career is about 3.4 years, and I think it's significantly less for running backs. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, and here I am 44 years and still kicking and acting. So, yeah, it's like, worked out pretty well for you. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you listened, uh, you paid attention to not only the outside advice you got, but to that inner voice. Yes. And also, though, it was a different time. You know, I don't know where I would have fared today. You know, today is a much more difficult time for these kids in one way. In one way, it's easier because of all the social media platforms that create celebrity without any real substance. Right. And I grew up... Uh, being a student of, of cinema, of film and theater and acting and knowing the great masters from the, you know, the foreign cinema from Italian and French and German and the world cinema, as well as the great greats that are here. And you can talk to some of these kids today. They don't know who the heck you're talking about, nor do they understand who the playwrights are. They couldn't tell you strips, uh, the difference between Strindberg and Ibsen, let alone Tennessee Williams and, and whatnot. Some can. But most are ignorant of it. And it's, I think, endemic in our society today that we uh, have dumbed down the whole society. We have, we have killed this generation with, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it, it's sad. It's sad what I see. You know, I have, I have eight kids and um, I have 40, 30, 30, uh, 29, 20-year-old 20 twins who are 21 today. 17, 15, and a two and a half year old. Oh my so goodness. I, so I've seen education go down the tubes. I've seen what they've done to our educational system, what they've done to the quality of the students. And uh, it's horrific and it's unconscionable. Not well, Robert, I, you know, you spoke of studying the greats and directors and whatnot. And, you know, 
recently that I was saddened to hear that Peter Bogdanovich just passed away. And I, I had the you know, great fortune to work with him on a film. And, and I know that you directed him in the Dukes. What was that experience like? And was he one of those directors that, directors that you admired? Oh, I loved Peter. Peter. Also, Peter and I were friends from Stella Adler. He both, he studied with her, so did I, as Marlon Brando did and many others. But Stella was our, our commonality initially prior to ever having him in the film. I knew him. I loved his work. I loved St. Jack and At Long Last Love and, you know, the, the films he, he's successful, Last Picture Show, so many classics. But uh, Peter, yeah, it was in a, I wanted a certain quality for this character uh, who was the manager of, it's myself and Chaz Palminteri who played two cousins that are, were successful when we were younger. We had a doo-wop group and Peter's our manager and we're still with him <laughs> after all those years. And he's still trying to get us some kind of work even to know, but it's a, it's a very heartfelt, it's a very good film. And he was wonderful to, to, to direct and to work with. Uh, there's a funny incident that Chaz and I are very close friends and I co-wrote the script and stuff and rewrote and did a lot of stuff. So I knew pretty much what I wanted. Uh, and the, 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 I'm very good with dialogue. So as, as an actor, I'm good with being able to, you know, I, I like true moments, but I'm sure Chaz was trying to be a little bit like, well, I want to do that. I said, no, I want you to do it like this. And then Chaz looked over to Peter, Peter, tell him. And Peter said, Robert's right, Chaz, listen to your director. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that shut him up. <laughs> Chaz said, cut him off at the pass right away. Cause Peter understood, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's a, uh, it was, uh, it was, that was very uh, gratifying. And he, he was looking forward to doing something else with me, Peter. I spoke to him just here in October. Oh. And um, I wish I had gone to see him. I said, hey, I'm gonna go, let's get together. He says, yes, I'd love to. I didn't know that he was that frail. Oh, it's sad, but what, what a great guy and a great talent. That's something, Robert. I mean, you mentioned your 44 years. You've worked with some of the all-time greats. And, and I'm wondering, what kind of impact have those experiences and working with those people had on you? And, and how, that, how has that helped shape you as the actor that you are now? Well, first off, I did my first film with Frank Sinatra in 1977. So that's pretty high up the uh, food chain to do your first movie with Sinatra, who's... Uh, Besides his Picasso's contribution to music, the contribution he had to society as a humanitarian, um, and uh, the, the 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 amazing uh, career he had, both as a singer and as an actor, as did Bing Crosby. But to be up close and personal, and then become friends with Sinatra, and then meeting that whole crew of people through him, wasn't he one of your idols? Absolutely. Well, I I always say that in an Italian family, there are two figures the Pope and Sinatra, and not necessarily <laughs> that order. And um, so he was always, uh, 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 because he was a, don't forget, at the turn of the century of the 1900s, the New York Times said that the Italian was lower and dirtier than the Negro. There were more lynchings of Italians in 1886 in New Orleans than anyone else. So the term Dago and Wap and Guinea and all that stuff, and I remember the prejudice that I experienced growing up but it never affected us deeply. It was never, we were going beyond all of that. So Sinatra was someone who, you know, you speak up for yourself. And he gave a different image of what the Italian American was in the country. 
uh, through his film and through music, uh, of course. So I grew up with a generation of artists. You know, I did, I did another film. I did a film with Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds. They were in the same film. Worked with Blake Edwards. I mean, great, great people. And you learn a tremendous amount from the people you work with. And especially if you're observant and uh, a bit of a sponge and are willing to question and to, to, to learn. I think that's a big part of it because just because you're around people with great talent doesn't mean that you, you've got to be that sponge and you've got to be willing to learn for it to have that kind of impact. So that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, but you have to. You have to be able to take advantage of it. You're, you're like my son, Nick, who's 21 today. He did his first film, really. He started it with Bruce Dern. And I said to him, just sponge up. Bruce is one of the great ones, Bruce Dern. And my son had a wonderful time watching him and working with Bruce Stern. And uh, so that's what kind of the, uh, and I think most committed young actors um, and actresses have that understanding. Um, it should be uh, more uh, prominent in our society, but, but it is, it's, you have to learn from every experience. You know, one of the things that was wonderful about Sinatra too, doing the film is I was, uh, he saw that I had scars on my neck and he had some scarring. And he said to me, hey, were you a forceps baby? I go, yeah, he goes, me too. And he showed me his scars. He says, don't let those things bother you. And obviously he had the sensitivity to know that they could bother you because growing up friends of mine could have mocked because I had a rugged complexion, could have discouraged me from wanting to, are you kidding me? You want to be an actor? Are you, you know what I mean? There could have been that kind of negativity thrown at you. But I never, I never let that, I never let it burrow into me. You see what I'm saying? That aspect of, of denigrating someone, never let it bar, burrow into me. Um, and that's a message that should be out there. You know, this adversity, adversity creates opportunity for you to become, uh, 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 to prove. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like a fuel. You could use adversity as a fuel. And, um, uh, even with, look at, I, I decided I wanted to sing, go back to music. You know, 10 years ago, I did my first album, Davi Sing Sinatra. Okay, it went to number six on Billboard Jazz, produced by Phil Ramone, one of the great producers, record producers of all time, who produced Sinatra and Barbara Streisand and Tony Bennett at Capitol Records, uh, touring the world singing. People could guffaw and laugh at that when they heard that I was going to do that, you know? <laughs> and now I'm getting ready to do the, finish the second album. But, uh, and, you know. Yeah, but did they hear you sing, for God's sakes? Oh, yeah, My yeah, God, yeah. you just, I, when I was listening to you, I think I was listening to My Way. First of all, your tone sounded so much like Sinatra. Your voice is absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, obviously you have a great gift in, in that so venue as well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I did study opera, you know, I, I loved the, I had the voice, natural voice. Uh, but again, preparation. Now, I studied with the best in New York City when I was growing up. I wrote a letter to Tito Gobi, one of the greatest opera baritones of all time. I sang for him and his wife, who was married to Boris Kristof, this great basso. He then put me in touch with Dan Farrow at Juilliard. Uh, studied with Samuel Margulies, who taught Merrill, and th then went into film, of course. So I left the singing for years. 
I had, I was a baritone with the heart of a tenor. So I had strained my voice at the time. And uh, this was with the opera stuff. Then when after I did the Dukes, I sang a song in the Dukes and everyone was encouraging me, go to singing, man, go to see, you got a great voice. And then I asked the head of Disney music, a man named Bob Cavallo. He was the head of Disney music and the, he was the, 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 one of the great, great managers of all time. Prince, Earth, Wind and Fire, Alanis Morissette, Miley Cyrus. I mean, this guy was amazing music guy and um, also produced about a dozen films, great movies. Uh, so I said to Bob, I want to go back to singing. He goes, I go, who do I study? He goes, Gary Katona, who else? So he called up Gary Katona for me. And then for three years, every day, I worked on The Voice with this Gary Katona, who's a major, major voice builder. And uh, so it's preparation. It's not easy. You know what I mean? You have to put in that, that work and that passion. And um, I remember reading a story about one of the great, great Castrati, Farinelli, whatever his name was. Now, the Castrati, if you don't know what the Castrati were, they used to, um, to create great singers back in the 16th century, they would castrate boys that showed promise with voice because what it would do is it would create huge lungs and an elongated body and everything else and their tone would stay the same. Their voice wouldn't change. So they had this tremendous thing. So this one Castrati went to this great teacher and uh, studied with him for six years and just to several exercises. And finally the guy says, go, you're now the greatest singer that ever lived. So, I mean, it's preparation. Everything you read about, everything is preparation, is putting the time and the energy in. And some people, not so much. I did a film with Alexander Gudnov, last film he did before he died. And we were talking about the ballet. Now he said for himself, with the ballet, he would have to go in two hours ahead of time stretch and warm up and do this and do that to get ready for the ballet where Baryshnikov would come out of the taxi cab, go to the theater, put on his costume and jump into the theater, <laughs> do the ballet. <laughs> you know, different people have different ways of getting to where they have to get to. Definitely. So preparation and, and knowing that is important. Well, Robert, in, in your body of work for acting, you know, the one word that comes to mind when I see your work is, this guy is cool. <laughs> Do you enjoy playing the bad guy? Is that fun for you? Well, you know, I played, it's funny, I played quite a few good guys. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a film called, uh, a TV series, I don't know if you saw it, called Profiler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Profiler was before CSI, before Criminal Minds, we were the first. And for four years, I saved lives playing the head of the FBI. I was the guy who created Profile. I took a patrol over the border, and he began to pick us off. No sound, the man would just fall. We'd go for cover, move, another man down. He got them all. And I remember early on with Stella Adler. Stella says, they're going to cast you as the bad guy. She says, but don't let them, don't let that bother you. They did that to Bogart and Lee Marvin. And then you're going to play the good guy because the strength that you need to have to play the bad guy, when they put it into the good guy, it becomes much more interesting. And there's a duality there. So that was, so knowing that and that being told to me by her, who 
was really one of the greatest women I've, I've met, most uh, intelligent and uh, artistic women who understood the work uh, and could break uh, down a play better than anyone or a film or a script. Um, so I had, you know, these little, uh, these little lights along the way that, that help you through that. Um, yes, it's fun to play the bad guy. It's fun to play an interesting character and to humanize a character. My, my thing was, how do I make that character likable to somebody? So for instance, in the Bond film, there were people that said, hey man, I would have worked for that guy. Well, because we put in the line, loyalty is more important to me than money. So I created a certain ambience. I don't like to play, I don't comment on the character, the, the actions of the character, the audience can make that decision. But I don't spin that, I'm playing the bad guy now. I'm with, no, I play it as if he were justified in what he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, certain characters I wouldn't play, a child abuser, somebody that's abusive to women, I wouldn't play those characters because of the negativity. Somebody that's gay bashing, for instance, or something like that. I wouldn't play certain characters that I've turned those kind of parts down because I don't find those things anything, you know, but, a, 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 you know, a, a mafia chieftain or, a, you know, certain other characters. Those are, those are interesting. Political uh, nihilist. I mean, those are interesting characters to play. Well, I, I really liked your character in Raw Deal. Um, and there were two, two of my favorite lines of all time in, in any movie or in that movie. One of them's from Arnold and one of them's from you. My favorite line was when Arnold says <clears throat> to his wife, you should not drink and bake. Yeah. Shouldn't Great drink line. And bake. But I also like when yeah. uh, I think he said uh, uh, to your boss, he said, I take care of things. And you're kind of behind him and you say, that job's taken. Yeah. I take care of Max. Yeah, all kinds of things. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, it was oh, yeah. fun. <laughs> we became friends from from that film. Arnold Schwarzenegger here. How are you doing here? <laughs> fantastic to be on your show. I tell you right now. And Robert Davi's a fantastic actor. He's a great actor. Uh, you know, no Arnold and I. We spent a lot of time together, laughing and kibitzing. Haven't seen him in years though. Um. But you know, uh, that was, that, I, I will tell you though, that Robert, that movie, that's one that to me, from an acting standpoint, I thought, in addition to your great performance, I thought he really put in a great performance in that movie as well. It, it yeah. really is incredibly well acted. Yeah, well, you know, the director was a guy named John Irvin, who was an actor's director. And it, the point of that film was to not make another commando or, but right. to have Arnold act now, you know what I mean? To, more substance. They're transitioning into actors. So they had good actors around them. And, uh, you know, it was a good script and a good story. And Dino De Laurentiis produced it. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was fun, fun to do. And to yeah. play Max. Max yeah. takes care of things, all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> we have such a great ear for accents, Robert. Yeah, I've been lucky uh, with that. I, I, I think it's probably partly the music. You know, I, I played a Palestinian in a film called Terrorist on Trial, the United States of America versus Salim Ajami in 1989. And uh, that, Sam Waterston played the prosecutor. Ron Liebman played the Jewish defense attorney to put there to, to, uh, to, uh, to defend the, the uh, Palestinian. Uh, courtroom drama produced by George Englund. 
who had produced and directed The Ugly American with Brando and Shoes of the Fisherman, was married to Cloris Leachman for years. Uh, brilliant guy, George Englund, and written by Levinson Link. And that, that, that film was, uh, people thought, and I had done Hill Street Blues prior, and the AD was the AD from Hill Street, and he said, are you part of a, a movement? He thought I was part, I'm an Italian Catholic from New York, but I, <laughs> I was so inundated with the character, and I learned some of the Arabic phrases, you know, the Palestinian phrases and stuff, that yeah, I convinced, so if I can, that's the idea, is you can convince yeah. someone, you know, and then you know you can convince the audience, and that led to me actually getting the Bond film. We know you've got a lot going on, but uh, before you go, what is coming up for you with your singing and also with your acting and directing in 2022? What can we look forward to? I got a new TV series we're working on called Paper Empire. And um, they may change it to Digital Empire, but it's, uh, I play a character named Lawrence Finch, who is a money manager of $90 billion that goes missing. And I create a whole digital, I help create the whole digital currency. And uh, a lot of interesting things happen. Uh, Wesley Snipes is in it. Um, uh, Denise Richards plays my wife. Cuba Gooding Jr. is in it. Kelsey Grammer. Um, got a wow. terrific cast um, of different characters coming in and out. And uh, Where is that shooting? We shoot in LA and in Florida and Vegas we've been shooting. So it should be out this year. Um, that we'll have about eight episodes finished. So there's that, there's the Reagan film that's coming out with Dennis Quaid, where I play Brezhnev, you know, Leonard Brezhnev, Russian <laughs> Brezhnev I play. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a nice little cameo, but it was a nice juicy character, you know, a nice interesting character. Uh, then I have, uh, have the Lurking Fear, one of these horror things. And then of course I directed um, uh, a film that I'm very excited about, uh, that'll be, I think, a surprise to a lot of people. Did the first edit now, now we're going into it, called My Son Hunter, um, about Hunter Biden and the laptop and his life and uh, his relationship with his father and the, the, uh, the deals they made in, uh, in, in China and in the Ukraine. And uh, it, uh, it covers all of that. And it's not a, I like the film American Hustle, so when I was offered the film, I says, I, I want to do it like that picture, like the David O. Russell film, American Hustle. I don't want to comment on the characters. I don't want to. I, so, so I think <laughs> conservatives may think I'm too sympathetic to the Bidens. And the, the, the left is going to say, no, he's not sympathetic enough. You know, but it, so it, it's a sweet spot. It's a sexy picture. Uh, the performances are great. Lawrence Fox great English actor, plays Hunter Biden, does an amazing job. Uh, John James of Dynasty plays uh, Joe Biden. He's brilliant in it. And Gina Carano plays a Secret Service agent, and she's terrific in it. She's like the blue. And this young actress, this no young actress is a, a female lead, and she's quite stunning. She's like a young Michelle Pfeiffer, Sharon Stone. And it's through her journey that you uncover what's happening. She's a She's a, uh, a progressive left-wing activist who is, uh, gets in, involved with Hunter. And through the course of that relationship, her eyes, uh, she gets to see something she didn't expect. 
And uh, it's a very interesting, it's, it's, it's going to be good. It's beautifully shot. We shot it in Serbia. I moved the camera a lot because I like that. If you saw the Dukes, you'll see how I moved the camera quite a bit. I guess it's a style I enjoy. And I, I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the people seeing it, you know, and getting, getting people that normally wouldn't go see something uh, because it's, it's, quite, it's quite engaging, quite engaging. Robert, needless to say, as, as you just said, as a director, as an actor, I think you mentioned earlier, you're working on a second album. Like, yeah. where do you get all the energy from to do all these things? Well, you gotta, you, you know, sometimes you don't. <laughs> you have to summon up the blood. You, you know, it's, it's like that once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more. You know, because the, the uh, you know, that Toby Keith asked Clint Eastwood that question. All right. He says, Clint, how do you do this? You know, and he wrote a great song and you could probably play it. Don't let the old, I just don't let the old man in. And mm -hmm. what happened was Toby Keith went home. He was playing golf with Clint when Clint told him that. And he asked him the same thing. And he says, I don't, I just don't let the old man in. So Toby Keith went home and wrote this song, Don't Let the Old Man In. And then Clint wound up putting it in one of his films. And I think that's mm -hmm. the key to it all. I feel 25. Even if I don't feel 25, I feel 25. You know, I refuse to capitulate to that cursed thing called age. You're not the only one. And I, I share a birthday with Toby Keith. Same month, same day, same year. Oh, wow. Do you know the song? Yeah. Okay. I've got in my CD collection behind me, I've got about a dozen Toby Keith CDs back oh, there. Oh, great. How interesting. So, yeah. Definitely know the song. I, I appreciate that story too. I've also got uh, two other films back there. I'd, I'm probably covering them with the chair, but Blood of Redemption with Dolph Lundgren and The Bad Pack with you and Roddy Piper and Rolf Muller. Now that's that's an oldie but goodie. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Bad Pack, if you think about it, is the precursor to what film that you like? Oh, The Expendables. All right, think about yeah. it. Watch yeah. The Bad Pack again. Yeah, we, you get the you get the guys together, yeah, the, just like Sly does. I can't tell you how many films I have done over the years. These B pictures that were independents that became A titles. I did a little film for kids called Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's I play Merlin with a bit of a Welsh accent. I play Merlin in the thing. That was remade again with Nicolas Cage. They change it. But it's the same thing, Sorcerer's Apprentice. But it's um, it's interesting how. And then there's another one, The Zone, Dogfighters, quite a few things. I said, holy sugar, they took that and they blew it up nicely. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you got to be in Expendables three, so you got to go full circle with that. Oh yeah, and I'm glad Sly is such a great artist. Sly is one of our treasures, I believe, with his Rocky alone. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? And the, the 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 funny part about it is. Here's a funny story. And Sly and I go way back. My cousin, Richie Giacchetti, was one of the greatest boxing trainers. He, he trained and managed Larry Holmes. He put Don King in boxing. Richie was from Youngstown, Ohio, Golden Gloves. And then he was putting on boxing events. And so he and King, the lawyers put them together. And anyway, so Richie's this trainer. And then he started working with Sly. Tiger Eye Productions, when he wanted to do, Len Canalito was going to be the heavyweight champion. Sly wanted to recreate the, the young Rocky. So I knew Sly quite a bit, and he loved my face and my acting. So they offered me a part in Rambo too, And I was all buffed and ready to do it. 
and I get a call from the agent saying that uh, Spielberg and Dick Donner want to meet you. For what? This movie, new movie that Chris Columbus wrote. What's it called? Goonies. They go, well, Goonies? What the hell is a Goonies? I'm doing Rambo too. I'm not going to go to Goonies. He goes, <laughs> he goes but you, you got you to meet with the guys. Just meet with them. I go, yeah, but I'm doing, I'm, I got to leave next month to go to Rambo. I says, what? I'm doing Rambo too. You got it? You know, because Rambo was like huge, right? Mm-hmm. With slide, all of that. So now I go in, I meet Dick Donner and, and they put me and Joey Pantoliano together and our chemistry was magical. And they come back and we want to offer it. Now, now I'm with the dilemma of having to, what do I do? So I say, listen, and the agent says, you can do both. You know, you do the action, you do the, it's great. And I figured, why not? Because people do it all the time and fly back and forth at my expense, work it out through production companies, work out the board. Anyway, it couldn't be worked out. I was calling Sly in the jungle. My cousin was calling him. And then one day the agent called up and said, they released you from Rambo. I go, what? I didn't want to be released from Rambo because I told Sly that was my first, you know, responsibility. Uh, anyway, so they released me. Three hours later, I was getting calls from Andy Vanya and Sly and everyone else saying, How, who let you go? Nobody should have let you go. The casting director released us. And that was a big howdy-do. In the interim, so now I do Goonies, of course, and I don't think... Dick Donner said Goonies was going to be the new Wizard of Oz. But he said it back then. And, and Dick passed this year. And he was a great human being as well, Dick Donner. Great director. And uh, he knew Goonies was going to have legs. So I, I do the thing. And then later on, Sly goes, okay, at his 40th birthday, I go with my cousin. And I get to see Sly and explain to him what happened with the Randall Goonie thing. He goes, don't worry, we'll bury it. Bury the hatchet. And he goes... You're going to do Rambo 3, the Afghan rebel leader. And anyway, <laughs> I think that was a way of getting back at me or something. It didn't happen. But I got that terrorist on trial thing that led to Bond, which is interesting. And then later on, you know, uh, he said, hey, come on, you got to do Expendables. And I did Expendables. And he's such a, you know, terrific person, a good friend. Well, I guess things work out for a reason. I'm, I'm glad you guys got to reconnect and and. Oh, yeah, yeah, we had always connected. We had and not- worked together. Oh, yeah. And then don't forget, we had, uh, you know, you had, you see Goonies today is, is a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, gosh, Robert, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. My God, all these stories. We, we love this kind of thing. That's so we like to get in there and hear what the journey's been like for you. And, and uh, I know you've got many more chapters to write yet, and we're looking forward to seeing all the stuff that you've got coming out this year. Well, thank you. And uh, God bless both of you. Did you good luck with your show. With all that you've got going on, Robert, we, we just really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. We've been working on this for a while, and we are just so happy that we finally got to put this together and, and hear your story. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Same to God you, Robert. You Alrighty. Folks, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week.